everyone. Welcome to HubShots episode 295. In this episode, we talk about the paid deactivation, some deal close gotcha in the app, talk about notification profiles, security center, also non-fit personas, the HubSpot Zero Sync, and chat GPT inefficiency. You're listening to the number one HubSpot focused podcast, where we discuss HubSpot tips, tricks, and strategies for growing your sales, marketing, and service results. My name is Ian Jacob from Search and Be Found, and with me is Craig Bailey from Zen Systems. How are you, Craig? I'm very well, Ian, and welcome to possibly the longest title episode we've had in a long time. Just so much to get through this week, which is good. We'll try and rush through it and cover it as quickly as possible. And what I thought was funny, Craig, is I asked you, I think, I think we should re- reduce it, and you said, oh, no, I've already said it's the longest title ever. <laughs> So let's get into it then. What's our growth thought of the week, Craig? Well, you know what? We're recording this on the 8th of February and usually by this time of the year, you're back, everything's in full swing, you've done your strategy and planning for the year and now you're starting to execute. What we're finding, perhaps surprisingly, is for a number of our clients, that's not the case. They are actually kind of, I won't say panicking, but they're kind of rushing to get strategy and stuff in place. And part of the reason for this is because they had a long extended break. I think everyone has had the last couple of years with COVID where they were prohibited from traveling and all that kind of thing. And this this year, this Christmas and New Year, they went, all right, I'm having a long break. I need it. And yeah, we did. Yeah, get refreshed and get healthy. But before you know, it's February. And then it's like, oh, what are we doing? We should be executing on this plan that somehow magically should have appeared and it's not in place. So just a few thoughts on that. For listeners, if this is you, first of all, we're seeing this in a lot of clients, so you're not alone. Second, it's important to take time. And what we're seeing is some people trying to rush things through and they're really jumping on tactics and not taking the time out to think strategically. What does strategically mean? Well, it's about what your business goals need in order to be implemented effectively. And so what we're saying, and we're going to keep this brief, I just, the main point of this is just to say, look, we're seeing it a lot. Here's the way to think about it. It is important to take a step back, take time. Strategy takes space, mental space. You need time to think creatively. It's that creative side of your brain. When you're thinking, here's our business goals. Here's what we've got to achieve. I'm going to map that against available resources. I'll talk about that in a second. And then I'm going to prioritize it. And so it's easy to think, oh, here's just a list, I'll jump into it without discipline. Actually, what you need to do is take a step back and think about the resources you have, map that against the business goals that provide the biggest impact. I think as I say this, most people listening or watching would go, yeah, that's kind of obvious. And that's the point. Just highlighting something that's obvious and kind of saying, look, we're seeing this across all our clients is maybe helpful. Take the time and do it. And then really, the other thing I'm going to say, we're seeing this with clients, is one of the biggest problems is that they don't have the resources, i.e. people, in place to execute on their strategy. So part of strategic thinking at this time is taking stock of the people you have, the budgets that you have, and while you might have massive business goals that you want to look at strategically, there's a reality check for some to actually think appropriately about this because they just don't have the people to put it in place. So quick takeaway, don't rush. Consider goals mapped to resources available, prioritize as appropriate. And finally, make a start. 
because this is the other thing. You can get caught up thinking, oh, we're going to overanalyze and overstrategize and all this. Now you've actually got to make a start. And I think one of your clients said it best here, version one is better than version none. That's right, Justin. And one that he always tells me, we should test and measure. And so thank you, Justin, for reminding us and for that great little quote. One final little comment here. We used to actually guide clients through an annual marketing review. We don't offer that anymore to new clients. It's only existing clients we work with on that. But there is a link in the show notes to our old page for that, which actually has a link to a Google Doc, which has our whole AMR plan. So you can go and grab that. No sign-up required. Just get the, the link and access that. That might actually give you a bit of guidance. Fantastic. On to our quick shots of the week. And here's one that turned up mysteriously, Craig. It was a nice feature that when you deactivate a user, that gets prompted you to remove the paid license, which didn't happen before. And so we thought we'd mention it because in the previous episode, it was a gotcha for us, but that has now been resolved. I couldn't believe this when you told me because I was like, didn't we just mention that last week in the show? And you're like, yeah. Oh, and they fixed it. Now, I'd love to think that's because they listened to the show and they thought, oh, we better fix that. But I'm sure it's just coincidence. They probably had this for months waiting to be rolled out and it's just coincidentally it's rolled out at the same time. But overall, great outcome. Thanks, HubSpot, because as we mentioned last time, paid seats were just kind of kept locked uh, in deactivated users. So yeah, that's a win for clients. Absolutely. And here are a few more quick items. Firstly, you can now clone static lists and make, a fil- make the filter updates before saving them as a new list, which you couldn't do before. So that's really cool. Service now has some playbook templates, only two to start off with, a customer onboarding playbook and a business review playbook. So it's got a good start. And I think it's a great place to start. Add your own things, make it your own as you use those templates. And now you can view and add comments on the HubSpot iOS app, which you couldn't do before. All right, onto our HubSpot marketing feature of the week, Craig. This is a gotcha slash feature, isn't it? But you were noticing this, that if you have a chat, which is locked down to the bottom right-hand side of the screen, if you've got a chatbot in place, and you've got a slide-in pop-up also in the right-hand side, what was happening for you? Uh, the slide-in doesn't come. So that's what we realized. And we, we scratched our heads, we spoke to support, and then we realized as soon as we disabled the chat, the sliding works. So it basically interferes on that side. Right. So they're competing. I think we noticed a similar thing uh, a little while back, which is why we now put slide-in pop-ups on the bottom left. I think everywhere. And by now, HubShot's side and Zen, you'll see them all on the bottom left. Why? Because of chat. We're rolling out chat selectively on some pages and we just didn't want to have that fighting for attention for them too. Now, the, the thing is, wouldn't it be nice if you could go and quickly change your, all your slide ins from bottom right to bottom left? But you can't. Or, or I couldn't find a way to do it. But no, yeah, you can't, Craig. Yeah, Once you actually it's... choose that very first, let's say, what sort of a pop up form you want, you can't change that, which is rather annoying. But anyway, <laughs> we'll we carry actually on. went through and recreated them all. Yeah, sadly, but th- that's what we did. So, yeah, no way to change it. By the way, the new pop-up beaters, I don't know if you've been using them, but yes. uh, that's rolling out. They only allow bottom right. You can't actually choose bottom left, so it's kind oh. of frustrating. And Do you think that they would go over the chat? I wonder whether that would actually work over the chat, whether it has a different 
Yeah, we should test that. That's actually one of the reasons we're not really using it. Yeah. Well, I was not using it because it, they, it almost felt like it wasn't consistent with the HubSpot design, a lot of them. And I was like, yeah, how did this get in here? Anyway. So well, I it is actually, only still in beta. It is in beta, to be fair, on that regard, though. Correct. But it just wasn't up to where I expected it to be. And so I yeah. actually, I, I tried a test and then I stopped using it. I think the what's compelling about them and why someone has rolled it out as a beta and why they want it is because they can be triggered by a click on the page. Correct. As opposed to just a time or an exit yeah. extent. So that's the thing that people wanted. Oh, a CTA that pops up based on an event on the page. So I get it. I like the idea. I just wish they'd add that to the existing slide-ins so we can just trigger based on something else as well. But anyway, we can wish. All right. On to our HubSpot sales feature of the week. So I'm going to start with a, a HubSpot gotcha or a Difference in uh, the way things work, and this is to do with deal close behavior, seems to be different between the app and the desktop. Now, how we discovered it, working with some of our clients, was somebody on the sales team said, hey, I moved these deals to close, but it had the date, which I think was either in the future or it was way behind. And they said, it's showing the wrong date. And I'm like, no. I So we ran a test on um, while well, we're logged in on the desktop. And I'm like, I don't I, don't know what's going on. Like the test that I've just done with you proves that it is changing it. Anyway, catch up in person with them. We're just having an informal chat and talking about different things. And they mentioned to me, oh, you know that thing I was telling you about? I actually moved the deal in the app. I'm like, ah, moved it in the app. Okay. So I did a test and thought, okay, I'm going to move a deal that I've got, you know, that's not closed into a closed one stay. And behold, I realized the close date on the app does not change. It actually remains at the previous close date. So just be aware of that, that there is inconsistent behavior in the app. And so if people in the sales team are complaining that things are not happening or you're getting incorrect data, this is probably why, and this is where you need to go look and maybe educate them. But if HubSpot's listening, I'd love for you to fix these guys. So it is consistent. Wouldn't it be... Kind of funny if you had to create a workflow triggered on a deal closing and all it does is go through an update close date. Exactly. To around this gotcha. Anyway, that's the first thing. But on to the real sales feature of the week. This came to the next question. And so one of our clients, they sell dental equipment and they often install large pieces of equipment or the, an, an entire surgery. And so they said, oh, we often struggle to get pictures once a job is done. And if for those of you who don't understand, a dental chair can cost like almost $50,000, right? So that's just a chair. It's not anything around it, not the accessories on it. So people are outlaying, or let's say dentists are outlaying a lot of money for a dental fitter. So they're like, we really want to capture the moment, get some pictures, and it's not about how do we get these pictures. You know, some people are hesitant and some people don't want to be in it. And so as we talked about it, we came up with an idea. It's like, how about we A, prep them, but B, let's make it a significant moment because they've just spent all this money and they're probably starting a new journey or they may be refitting their their surgery. Let's frame the picture and send it to them. So there's a sense of, oh, this is a really significant moment in time. And so everybody really loved that idea and something that they're going to start doing. So I'm going to hopefully report back about what happens, but just as something in the sales process where we just had to have that conversation and people are like, yeah, let's do this to make it significant. 
just like a deal stage moving, this is something on that customer journey that will make a significant difference to them and how they are dealing with customers. Great idea. All right. On to our HubSpot service feature of the week, Craig. Well, I'm just going to say this ticket property called last email received from contact. And if your ears broke up because of this, oh, wow, how do I get this property? Then this shot is for you. I'm going to explain it and talk about it. If you're like, I don't care, then move on <laughs> because this is a little bit nerdy. But I've got a screenshot here. And if you are watching on YouTube, you'll see this. But uh, if the podcast, you'll get it in the show notes if you've signed up, humshots.com slash subscribe. It's triggering a ticket workflow based on two things, last email activity and the last email date. And what you're trying to do, the outcome you're after is trigger a workflow if a contact replies to a ticket. Okay, very common scenario. Oh, customer has uh, replied to the ticket, trigger a workflow to do something. So you kind of want to do that. How do you do it? Well, in the screenshot, you see, oh, there's the properties to use. How do you actually find these properties? Because I don't know if I've just missed how to do it, but I cannot find them anywhere. The only way I was actually able to get these is if we set up some of their baby automation. And again, screenshot here, you go to your pipeline settings, and then you go to the automation and you tick a box that says customer replies to an email, automatically set the action of what the status you want it to go to. Now, in those settings, you're kind of limited. You can't put other logic. So you tick this on so that it basically creates one of these automatic workflows. Again, I've got screenshots here all in the show notes. Then you grab one of those workflows and you clone it and you use it for your own. And then you're probably going to come in and turn this tick box off. And that's how you end up getting access to use these properties, last email activity and last email date, to trigger your workflows. Now, this seems crazy to me, Ian, and I, I don't know if there's something really obvious I've missed in how to get it. And I've been trying to get it, and we've actually contacted support about it. I'm hoping they come back and go, oh, here it is, it's so obvious, you know, and then I'll, I'll update this in the next episode. But for people who are fighting this or wanted this, if it is the only way you can get it, it might be really good for you to use. My gut is telling me there's a much simpler way to do it, Ian, but I just don't know what it is. But in saying that, Craig, we went looking for those properties and we couldn't find them yesterday. So, couldn't find them. Couldn't find them. Yeah. yeah. Which indicates to me that they somehow appear based on those little those items being checked. And even when they are checked, which creates that baby automation, it doesn't still make those properties available if we were to create another workflow. So hence doing what we did. But we'd love to hear if people have done it or if HubSpot support is listening to us, please let us know if there is a better way to do this. All right, on to our HubSpot admin feature of the week, Craig, notification profiles. And this is really to do with episodes ago, we were talking about annoying emails and about being able to set those notification profiles. And so now they've actually got some defaults like they're doing with all the other admin features is like, hey, we can create these different profiles for notifications, which you can then give certain people, right? That's right. And by the way, this is another one of those occurrences where we talked about something on the show and then almost the next week it's available in HubSpot. Again, a coincidence. I'm sure they didn't prepare all of this. This is kind of months and months of work. And maybe it was in beta and, well, we didn't get access to the beta. But it's great because the problem was, by default, so I'll just take a step back, by default, the problem was everyone, when they were created as a user, had notification defaults that were to send them emails for all kinds of things. Oh, there's a new chat on this and this, and they're like, why am I getting all these emails? 
And so we, in that episode, a couple of episodes ago, I said, oh, here's how you turn it off. Those annoying notes, here's how you turn it off. Anyway, here's a much better way. You set up a default notification profile for every new user that this will be applied, the notifications, and for example, things like, oh, turn off all email by default, all notifications, or maybe just selectively have some email and not other ones. You can set up these profiles and then you can assign those to users. We're going to talk about presets in another episode, but it works in nicely with presets. And of course, individuals, they can be assigned this profile, but then tailor their own. So it's not as though they're locked in and they can't change it. It just kind of sets their profile as a starting point, and then they can change it. Now, that's the overview. Tara on, on the team has a great walkthrough. She's recorded the video. It's up on the YouTube uh, Hubshots channel, and you can watch. And she walks through how to set up a notification profile, how to apply it to a preset, and how to apply it to some users. So well worth watching, and it really solves a little annoying problem. So thank you, Hubspot. All right, now on to our HubSpot Gotcha of the Week. And this is a HubSpot Security Center that launched. And we mentioned it in the last episode, and we're doing a bit of a deep dive into here. And Craig, you were quite scathing about it last week <laughs> as yeah. we delved into it. It's almost like I could almost be skewed in that direction. So we're just going to show you a few things and try to understand what, we're, what they're trying to achieve here. And maybe this is like take one. And it's going to get better, but even the numbers don't add up. So let's get a let's let's have a start and see what happens. Yeah. So I'll take a step back and say what they want to improve security. Great, all for the outcome. I want a snapshot of what my security is like for my portal and what I need to improve. Yep, great outcome. Of course, I support that. However, the implementation just has me confused. In the show notes, I have a screenshot. Here's if you're watching on YouTube. Here's what it looks like. In Ian's portal, what percentage of users have 2FA? Yeah, please review, that's good. What percentage of your users are admins? Okay, but here's what it's like in my portal. I've got how many super admins does your ha- account have? Six, which is correct. How many partner users who are super admins does your account have? 11. I don't understand what this means. And then you go, oh, okay, please review and I'll resolve it. Text me, okay, no, it's okay. Where's this 11 come from? And I'm just, I just don't understand what that means. Like, what do I do with that? Is it because I'm a partner that maybe this thing, and maybe for most people, it's fine. Anyway, that's my confusion. I don't understand it. And so why are we highlighting this? I mean, there's lots of bugs and things in in software. It's like, well, why? this has been rolled out and promoted, so it's not in beta as far as I know. And it's confusing. And I think people are, we're trying to promote security hygiene and this. I'm like, what's going on? So look, hopefully I've just not had enough coffee and don't understand what's going on and we can highlight it. And again, we'll update that in the future episode, but yeah, I just don't know what's going on here. I have a feeling just now having a think as we, as you talk about it, both our portals have partner user admins as 11, right? And we both have different level of admins in our account, right? So you'd think it'd be a subset of all the admins. That's what I would be thinking logically. Right. I have a feeling someone has put that line in and they've hard-coded it to 11 <laughs> and they left it there. And I'm going to go look at some other portals and check it out. But I suspect that that's what's happening and they can't, they maybe haven't coded it to differentiate it. And that's why we have the same numbers, even though we have different number of super admins. So. Okay. Well, look, wrapping this up, I don't want it to end on a negative note, but I, I think that the, the approach for security, great. I really recommend that. And so it's the first four lines, yep. Two-factor authentication, it needs to be there. Yep, that should be on. 
everyone as much as possible should have it set up. We're only 80%, which is good, but it should be 100% because you're only as strong as your weakest link. How many super admins? Yeah, we've, we've kind of, we're very careful on that. Um, but yeah, I think that's good. Uh, I know in a lot of portals we go into, how many, what percentage of users super admin? It's like 90% or something. So I get that that's a really good indicator. So yeah. All right. Now we're going to talk about uh, Inside of the Week, which is non-fit personas. And we've discussed this a few times, even way back, Craig. I can't believe in episode 26, which is a long, long time ago in 2016. I think you've thought about revisiting this after a chat with a customer this week. And I think it's very good because we do need to review it because businesses change over time and their personas change. So uh, I know working with some of our customers, as they have moved up market, their personas have changed. So now we have deactivated some, we've put some new ones in to facilitate that. That's right. We could get very complex on personas. People have written big books on it. And some people got controversial about personas and think they're over-engineered and all that kind of thing. I don't want to get into that debate. I, as a general approach, think personas are good in a helpful way for segmenting your database. I just think it's useful for people on the team to be thinking about a persona or an audience or target or whatever. I know people get caught up between, oh, that's not a buyer persona, that's a buyer profile and all this kind of thing. I think if you're getting to that point when you're arguing arguing about semantics, it's a good sign. That means you've actually put some effort into actually thinking about your audience. So overall, I think it's good. I don't want to get too bogged down into it. If you're in B2B, you might have personas around um, responsibility or job roles. Increasingly, we're seeing push to jobs to be done, i.e. outcome-based. doesn't matter what your job title is or where your seniority is. It's what's the job you've got to be done. We're seeing a lot of that in B2B. That's great. And in retail, you might have demographics or spending behaviors and things like that. So that's all good. I think people know that kind of intuitively, really. But where does the non-fit persona fit in? I think this is often left out, and it's useful for two, for two reasons. It categorizes who's not a fit for you, and you want to call that out early. One, so you don't waste time, your time. But two, you don't waste their time. So there's two sides of it. You don't want to work with them because they're not a fit for your business, and you don't want to waste their time because they're not going to provide value. So this is all about enabling you to confidently say no to a segment of contacts and prospects that come in. And as we all know, saying no is a skill. And in fact, we're going to have a quote of the week when we talk about that later. But learning to say no and how to say no is actually a skill that a lot of people, and it took me years to learn that, oh, yeah, we'll do that work for you. Yeah, we'll do that. Sure, we'll do that. Saying no is actually a skill and we're much better off for it. And so are our customers. So that's the benefit of a non-fit persona, even if you don't implement it in HubSpot as actually a persona. Think about it so that everyone on your team is clear. It'll help with content you write. It'll help with the workflows and nurtures you put in place. And I'll add something to that, Craig, is that why it's key is you could take the non-fit persona straight out of the sales process and not have the team waste time going through contacts and leads based on this. So very important and I think well worth doing. All right, on to our listener question of the week. And so this was from one of our clients who said, hey, I want to use the new um, invoicing that's available on the HubSpot Zero syncing app, right? So it's got it there, it's new. All right, so let's go ahead, connect everything. We've managed to get all the data in. And uh, I thought, oh, it's working really well. Able to click on an invoice, able to see the associated contact. This is fantastic. 
And then we go to have a look. And then so they go to the contact profile and they're like, where do I see this invoice? Now I want to see this invoice, right? So they've got HubSpot, they've got Shopify. So they've got things happening on, on two different channels. Anyway, can't find it. So we contact support and we say, hey, we've got all these invoices synced. We can see if we click on an invoice on the invoices screen, we can see there's an associated contact, which is fantastic, right? But I wanted to see it from a contact level. Anyway, can't find it. There's no provision for it. They went through all the documentation and they're like, yeah, you can't see that. It's only on this screen. And anyway, so we then went, okay, well, that's not going to help us. (laughs) So that's all we have at the minute. Now, in the process of doing this, I did a little bit of investigation and there is actually, let's call it the Zero HubSpot uh, sync, which is built by Zero that has an invoice part to it for invoice syncing, but it is a paid. So in Australia, I think it was $10 a month. It allows you to obviously create invoices and view them inside HubSpot. So I was thinking, I thought I could shortcut the process and try that out and then see these invoice details in the, let's call that little widget that might appear on the right-hand side of a contact record. I haven't tried that, but with this change, it's obviously one of those things that's like, it's great, I can get the data, but how can I use it? I have no idea. So Mm. I just wanted to highlight that to people is that you might be thinking, yeah, I've got it all connected. I've got the data in, but I can't use the data. And the moral of the story is that's what it is. So just be aware that this is happening inside HubSpot, especially if you are. And they actually, HubSpot support said that they didn't see any documentation where they could see them developing a widget. So it appeared on the sidebar and they actually told me to go to the community and raise a feature request to get it done, which is really bizarre. I find that really odd. First of all, that it doesn't even appear. Yeah. But I mean, it it almost makes you want to say, oh, I'll actually write a workflow or some integration that just creates a custom object for it because custom object cards will appear. Yes. I'm surprised they say there's no plans to develop it. I kind of think this would be in the works. I thought it would be a part a part of the development, right? If you're going to bring that mm. data in and tell everyone it's available, how do you access it mm. seamlessly? And what about activity? Was there anything in the client, the contact timeline that had an activity that, you know, an invoice object was associated? Probably not. Not that I remember seeing, Craig. I didn't see an mm. invoice object in there. Mm. So anyway, that was the client question. And so I had to say, I'm sorry, you can't say anything just yet and stay tuned. Yeah. All right. On to our thought of the week, Craig. And as we've been talking about ChatGPT, is about avoiding inefficiency with ChatGPT and other tools. I just want to highlight this. Actually, before I get into ChatGPT, I know everyone thinks everyone is up to speed on ChatGPT, but that's not the case. So we've got to not fall into the trap of assuming, oh, everyone's using ChatGPT and assume everyone knows what we're talking about. So apologies if, you know, we're racing ahead. By the way, here's the way to think about it. If you are behind on ChatGPT and you don't know what's going on and you haven't embraced it, you're only two months behind. This took off at the end of November. You're only two months behind. You can catch up and you can easily do that with just YouTube videos and things. I've been spending far too much time in here on ChatGPT, and it's, but it's very, there's great information. I don't want to pretend I'm at the forefront. I feel like a, a beginner, but the impact here is incredible. So for those of you who are using ChatGPT, you're like, yeah, of course, Craig, you know, we've been using it already for, for months. 
For those who aren't, you're only a couple of months behind. Jump on it now. This is a change you need to embrace. However, as this gains momentum, we're seeing a lot of scammy stuff and that appear, how to make money using ChatGPT and all these scams and get rich quick schemes. I think most people know to avoid that fluff. There is this efficiency piece that we're seeing more and more in YouTube videos and TikTok videos and things about using ChatGPT, which is massive inefficiency. And I just want to call it out early so that you avoid it. Here's a typical scenario. Oh, I use ChatGPT to prepare my emails to clients or my outreach or my warm-up emails and things like that. So I put in a sentence saying what I want and I ask ChatGPT to flesh it out. That's one type of video. It's like, oh, okay. Then there's another type of video where people say, I use ChatGPT to summarize the emails I get because I get these kind of bloated emails and I use ChatGPT to summarize it down. And I kind of go like, you've got ChatGPT causing the problem then solving it at the other end. There's this kind of inefficiency. It's like, just write a very brief email at the start. That would have solved it all. It reminds me of Twitter, Ian. Twitter limited to 280 characters. And so for the last decade, people have been coming up with crazy ways to expand and get around that with threads and I take screenshots of statements. And then then it got to the point where Twitter said, oh, we're rolling out this feature if you're a Twitter Blue subscriber where we make threads automatically show so you can read it in one thing. It's just like, what? (laughs) You're making me pay to get a feature that solves a problem that you were the cause of in the first place. It's like, who, who came up with this inefficiency and convinced us it was a good thing? Anyway, rant over. Here's my point. Don't get carried away with the noisy chat GPT activities, padding out emails and all that kind of stuff. Instead, focus on the high value activities for you and the recipients or your audiences and things like that. Just got a few simple examples to get you thinking. Here's probably the simplest way. Prepare email subject line variations. I know people want to A-B test their subject lines in emails. Just use chat GPT to prepare a few for you. There you go. If nothing else, just do that. Second, prepare your social updates in the voice of a specific persona. You can ask ChatGPT, give me this uh, a social update for Facebook, include emojis and hashtags. It'll do it all for you, so yeah, you can do that. Here's the other one I think that's really useful. Prepare landing page variations in the style and voice of a specific audience. So you've got one landing page, okay, now rewrite all this content for a salesperson that's busy and needs help. Now write it for a marketing person, etc. I think that's some good use of it. Adds value. It means that the audience, when they come to that page, it's written for them. It actually helps them and helps you there. So that's the summary, avoiding inefficiency with ChatGPT. We're going to be talking about it a lot more. In fact, I think we'll have a ChatGPT shot of the week pretty soon. And we'll just give you tips for using it and how to use it in HubSpot. There's so many examples. I just don't know. If, as long as we're adding value by doing that and not just um, adding more to the to the soup of, of noise, we'll do that. One final comment, though. If you're not yet embracing ChatGPT, is chatting with family, friends, and they've got kids at school, and they're like, oh, no, we're avoiding ChatGPT because it's banned in our school. I'm like, what? No, this, this, is, this is not up for debate. This is a thing. And it's going to be like Spellcheck was for a generation. Remember, it's like now Spellcheck, you just take it for granted. Of course, it's built in everywhere. Spellcheck and we've got autocorrect. Like it's just normal. There's a whole generation now, starting now, where ChatGPT or whatever it gets called, that experience gets called. It's just like, oh, they won't remember life before that. We don't remember life before Spellcheck. We won't remember. It's going to be everywhere. And it's happening rapidly. Jump on board. You're only a few months behind if you haven't started yet and use it to 
improve your effectiveness and efficiency in your life and business. All right. On to our quote of the week, Craig. It's a good one. It's a short one by Derek Sivers. It says, hell yeah, oh no. Title of a book. Have you read this book, Ian? I don't think I've read that one, Craig. I've read a few others of Derek's, but not that one. It's fantastic. His whole point is posed with a question. It's you shouldn't go, oh, yeah, okay, I'll do it. Or no. It's like, hell yeah, or no. If you're not excited about saying yes, then say no. That's oversimplifying his book. You should read it. It's excellent. But I thought that was a nice tie-in with that non-fit personas. Correct. When you're thinking about, should we be marketing to these people? It's like, hell yeah, we provide value and we want to work with them versus, oh, we could. That's a no. So hell yeah or no. All right. On to our training of the week, Craig. And this is 11 things you're probably not using in HubSpot that you should be. And this is something that we ran as a private masterclass for all our clients. So we went through... A ton of tips. There was actually, even though we say 11 things, I'm sure there are way more than 11 things, Craig, but we're making the recording available to all of our subscribers. So by all means, subscribe to the show notes. You'll get a link to it in there and encourage you all to look at it. And now the, the key takeaway from this was there are 11 things there, but what was the one, what is the one thing you're going to actually go away and implement? And I think that's the whole thing. If you, anybody listens to this, just write, even if you take a, a whole bunch of notes, I would say rip them all up and just think about what is the one thing I'm going to go do and implement. And you'll see a massive difference in your HubSpot portal. So I encourage you all to do that. All right, Craig, how can we help people with their HubSpot portal? Yeah, finally, if you want a bit of help with your HubSpot portal, if, even if that includes strategy from shot one, when we're talking about, oh, I'm racing to get strategy. If you want a bit of help with strategy, thinking about how you're using HubSpot, how you can do that more effectively, maybe you've inherited HubSpot, maybe you're coming up to renewal and you want to get the most out of it, check out our quick check offering and you can book in on the site and we just spend 60 to 90 minutes with you going through your portal, giving you a few summarized, prioritized takeaways. And listeners, again, thank you for listening. And uh, to all those faithful listeners who've been with us from the start, thank you very much. If you'd like to connect with myself, please search me on LinkedIn. Or if you get the show notes, you can click a link and connect with me directly on LinkedIn. And if you get the show notes, you can also just reply, come to Craig, and he will reply back to you. Actually, we both see it, but Craig will reply back to you. So it's a good way to get a hold of us. If you've got any suggestions, we'd love to hear it. Leave it in the comments below or simply email us and we can include it in the next show. Well, Craig, until next time. Catch you later, Ian. Hey there, thanks for listening to this episode of HubShots. To get the latest show notes, HubSpot tips and resources, sign up at hubshots.com. You can also book time with us to help you grow better with HubSpot.